studded with isles from its southern extremity, the Lindisness, or the Nays, to the North Cape, where the northern ocean in vast whirls boils round the naked melancholy isles of farthest Thule and the Atlantic surge pours in among the stormy Hebrides. Nor could I pass unnoticed the suggestion of the bleak shores of Lapland, Siberia, Spitsbergen, Nova Zembla, Iceland, Greenland, with the vast sweep of the Arctic zone and those forlorn regions of dreary space, that reservoir of frost and snow where firm fields of ice, the accumulation of centuries of winters, glazed in alpine heights above heights, surround the pole and consent to the multiplied rigors of extreme cold. Of these death-white realms I formed an idea of my own, Shadowy, like all the half-comprehended notions that float dim through children's brains, but strangely impressive. The words in these introductory pages connected themselves with the succeeding vignettes and gave significance to the rock standing up alone in a sea of billow and spray, to the broken boat stranded on a desolate coast, to the cold and ghastly moon glancing through bars of cloud at a wreck just sinking. I cannot tell what sentiment haunted the quiet, solitary churchyard with its inscribed headstone, its gate, its two trees, its low horizon, girdled by a broken wall, and its newly risen crescent attesting the hour of eventide. The two ships becalmed on a torpid sea I believe to be marine phantoms. The fiend, pinning down the thief's pack behind him, I passed over quickly. It was an object of terror. So was the black-horned thing seated aloof on a rock, surveying a distant crowd surrounding a gallows. Each picture told a story, mysterious often to my undeveloped understanding and imperfect feelings, yet ever profoundly interesting, as interesting as the tales Bessie sometimes narrated on winter evenings, when she chanced to be in good humour, and when, having brought her ironing table to the nursery hearth, she allowed us to sit about it, and while she got up Mrs. Reed's lace frills and crimped her nightcap borders, fed our eager attention with passages of love and adventure taken from old fairy tales and older ballads, or, as at a later period I discovered, from the pages of Pamela and Henry, Earl of Moreland. With Bewick on my knee, I was then happy, happy at least in my way. I feared nothing but interruption, and that came too soon. The breakfast-room door opened. "'Boo! Madam Mope!' cried the voice of John Reed. Then he paused. He found the room apparently empty. Where the dickens is she? He continued. Lizzie, Georgie, calling to his sisters. Joan is not here. Tell Mama she has run out into the rain, bad animal. It is well I drew the curtain, thought I, and I wished fervently he might not discover my hiding place, nor would John Reed have found it out himself. He was not quick, either of vision or conception, but Eliza just put her head in at the door and said at once, "'She is in the window-seat, to be sure, Jack,' and I came out immediately, for I trembled at the idea of being dragged forth by the said Jack. "'What do you want?' I asked with awkward diffidence. "'Say, what do you want, Master Reed?' was the answer. "'I want you to come here,' and seating himself in an armchair, he intimated by a gesture that I was to approach and stand before him. John Reed was a schoolboy of fourteen years old, four years older than I, for I was but ten, large and stout for his age, with a dingy and unwholesome skin, thick lineaments in a spacious visage, heavy limbs and large extremities. 
He gorged himself habitually at table, which made him bilious and gave him a dim and bleared eye and flabby cheeks. He ought now to have been at school, but his mamma had taken him home for a month or two on account of his delicate health. Mr. Miles, the master, affirmed that he would do very well if he had fewer cakes and sweetmeats sent him from home, but the mother's heart turned from an opinion so harsh and inclined rather to the more refined idea that John's sallowness was owing to over-application and, perhaps, to pining after home. John had not much affection for his mother and sisters, and an antipathy to me. He bullied and punished me, not two or three times in the week, nor once or twice in a day, but continually— Every nerve I had feared him, and every morsel of flesh in my bones shrank when he came near. There were moments when I was bewildered by the terror he inspired, because I had no appeal whatever against either his menaces or his inflictions. The servants did not like to offend their young master by taking my part against him.